You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Australia. I'm Izzy, and I help connect businesses with tech talent. And today, I'm your host. And we are back. Welcome to another Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by two senior leaders within the Australian tech industry, Gordon Smith and Daniel Tramontana. Today, we'll be discussing creating a culture to attract and retain top talent. We're going to be covering areas such as the concept of leadership and people and how that pertains to culture, the challenges companies are faced with in building and sustaining that culture, and how employing like-minded people affects the culture. So we will kick things off today by meeting our panel. Gordon, will you please do the honours? Sure. Thanks a lot for that, Izzy. Uh, Gordon Smith is my name. Um, I'm the CEO and founder of Tabillion CX. Uh, I've been in the game for about 35 years, both locally and internationally in the IT trade. Uh, worked organically out through uh, different roles and responsibilities, uh, which is not hard to do in the IT trade. Um, essentially, Tabillion CX is my love letter to the industry, where uh, basically we're providing services that support the whole of the system development lifecycle. Uh, so, of course, that allows me to meet different customers uh, and, of course, different consultants. Uh, for a multitude of multiplicities of different roles and responsibilities. Uh, but um, really looking forward to, to the discussion with Daniel and yourself, of course, Izzy, and, uh, and see how we, where we go. Awesome. Thank you very much, Gordon. Daniel. Hi, Izzy. Um, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this. Um, my name is Daniel Tramontana. I'm from BGL Corporate Solutions. My current role is the Chief Operating Officer, but I see myself really as just a servant of the people and the industry and the amazing products that uh, we roll out. We are Australia's largest provider of SMSF and corporate compliance software, so Simple Fund 360 and CAS 360. Um, we also have another product called Simple Invest 360, which is an investment register product, which is you know gaining great traction amongst many users, and it's really used for individuals, companies, trusts, and stuff like that. And then we also have another, another great product coming out called BGL Smart Docs, which is an OCR-type product, but really one that's on steroids and pretty much can be used in many, many contexts and settings. So I have the privilege and honour of leading a team of about 180 people. I've been at BGL for 25 years, um, and I've been working alongside Ron Lesh, who is our CEO for good part of that, Izzy, and I know that you've interviewed Ron Lesh at some point. So he's just an amazing mentor, leader, um, friend, and someone who really has defined the industry. And um, you know that great leadership together with an amazing group of people truly makes us a, a great organisation on many fronts. Perfect. Thank you both. And I think because of all that, Daniel, it shows that you're going to be in a in a perfect position to talk about culture. Uh, so we will <laughs> we'll jump into our first question. So Gordon brought this one forward um, and we'll get both of your thoughts on this one. Sure. Look, at the question I posed, and it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg, right? Do you create a really good environment for people to work in? And if they do, if you do, how do people know about it? Uh, so the question that I had is, uh, is the culture and, and work environment we need to create uh, as employers does it need to resemble uh, a Shangri-La, uh, and is it as distant as Narnia? Um, because really, I think um, it, it's a case where, certainly from my work experience over the last 35 years, locally and internationally, uh, is that you don't really know about an organization other than what it's achieved in the industry. 
you do get to speak to a couple of people who work in the organization, and usually that starts with HR, um, which you can get a bit of a, um, a rose-colored glass type type response in terms of what the, the environment, the culture, uh, and the organization is actually doing. But I'm intrigued, Daniel. What, what, what What's your thoughts on that? Can you just go through that again for us? Um, sure. Um, what you say? Just, yeah. <laughs> uh, basically, what I was saying, the question that I posed is, is the culture of work environment we need to create uh, for as employers, does it need to resemble Shangri-La? And is it as distant as Narnia? Look, uh, when it comes to, to culture, I mean, Gordon, I'd be interested to know, like when it comes to the word culture, what comes to mind for you? You know, it, it's a great question. Um, I I would liken it to visiting other countries. So I would go to uh, Southeast Asia because the, the the friendliness is there, the food's there, the beach is there. Uh, you know, and if anyone who's seen me personally knows, I don't need a tan. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you go to these sort of places and you go there for that type of culture, that sort of experience. And then if you go to Europe, it's a completely different experience. It's the shopping, it's the, the architecture, it's the, 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 the food and things of that nature. And while there are commonalities, there are also stark variances as well. Sure. So, so my idea of culture in a workplace is that it really depends on what you're looking for. Some employee, employees are looking for the nine to five and they want the stability and they want the flexibility of work. And they couldn't give a schmo about the culture uh, except to how they're getting paid. But then there are those long-term employees that want to make a contribution and really sort of be the backbone and become the backbone to the organization. Say someone like you, for example, where you've, you've gone through the numbers. It really depends. So what do you create? What, what, what is attractive uh, to, to those employees? And who are those employees? Are they like-minded or are they, are they different? Yeah, see, when it comes, and, and I asked you that question for a reason, because we all have a, a different idea and concept of what culture is, right? Yeah. I like to keep the whole idea of what culture is as a really simple concept of the way that we get things done in a unique way which embeds a certain group of values that we don't navigate or we don't deviate from, right? That's and cool. when it comes to culture, see, I, I look at culture as a really important thing. And for me, it's it's the essence of a business. It's the heartbeat of a business. You could have the best products. You could have the best of everything. But if you haven't got a great culture that identifies with where you're going as an organization, that believes in the products, that believes and upholds the values that you uphold. And look, one of the things that I see so often, you know, many organizations have got great motherhood statements or they've got great statements which say, you know, we do this or we do this or we believe in respect. We believe in you know, unity. We believe in, you know, all this type of stuff, but they don't live it out, right? So there's mm -hmm. got to be this whole thing of, this is who we are. This is the way we do things. This is the way that we that we conduct ourselves as an organization to deliver a unique value proposition, which is so, so unique, right? But you yeah. can identify with. And for me, culture really is, as I said before, the essence and the heartbeat of, of an organization. But many of us like to use that word because it makes us feel like we're, in a sense, trendy or we're modern or we're an organization that you should should join, but culture is much more than that. Culture is about the way your people are knitted together by a commonly held set of beliefs that then when they come together, allows you to develop an organization or a team of people with a value proposition that differentiates you from everybody else. 
Yeah, look, I, I think that's that's entirely factual. Uh, it's it's the values that really knit the whole organization together. But I think it's also, uh, and, and, and I absolutely concur with what you're saying, uh, and I think even more so, if they're prepared to stand by it, uh, I think you always get those performers uh, in the organization that are exceeding expectations, but then feel that they can do and say whatever they want, and they go pretty much unscathed. Um, and I think if the organization is prepared to pull those people in line and basically say one rule for one is one rule for all, uh, I think that goes to the demonstration of culture, uh, and which is why I say, is it a chicken and an egg? Do you, do you, do you create a culture, and how do, you, how do people know about that culture unless they actually work for your organization? Because you can't really attract people as such. Uh, they, they have to experience it firsthand. Well, it's actually interesting, right? Because uh, while I, I agree with what you're saying, I think that there are ways that we can connect people, give people a window into who we are as an organisation, right? And obviously there's so much we're going to deep dive into here, right? But one of the things that I've actually found interesting is a recent pattern with people that have joined our organisation is the first thing they would go and look at is our socials. They'd go look at our website. They go look at the videos we created. They go look at our LinkedIn. They go look at our Instagram. They go look at our things and they they look at our videos and they look at our photos. They look at the events that we hold. They look at the things that we conduct for our team or put on for our team and just things that drive culture. And they come back and they'll say, I want to be a part of that. Yeah, that's right? true. But the important part is, is that, where I think so much alignment happens is that when people step through that social space, step into then the organisation and come into the interview, that there's a detachment between what you're putting out in public and what goes on internally, right? And yeah. it's so important that that window into your organisation is actually the organisation that you portray. And remains consistent. Correct, because the mismatch will result in people saying that, okay, well, while you've got all the bells and whistles, it's, it's, it's you know, you know this saying, it's vaporware, right? <laughs> it looks good, sounds good. All the, everything is amazing on the external, but what's happening internal? And that ability to match your internal to external is so, so important. Yeah, look, I agree. I think we could probably both attest to this. So I've worked in organisations before I started to build in CX, uh, where uh, I've joined in the first probably two or three months and actually literally thought to myself, I've quit jobs better than this. This, 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 this sucks. You know, the, the, the environment is really poor. The way they treat the staff is really poor. Uh, you're, 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 you know, actually getting spoken to by your management like they're staff sergeants in the army, you know, and you know, they're yelling at you and you're thinking, my God, you know, how is this even legal? You know, and you, your mind starts to drift off like, Right, I'll do my, my, my six or 12 months and I'm, I'm out of here. You know, I'm getting out of Dodge. But um, I think if, if your induction into the organization remains consistent and those values and, and you yourself is valued as an employee, uh, you, you think, hang on, look, this is home. You know, uh, I like the people. I like the management. I like the way I'm being treated. You know, the work may be tough and it may be long hours because, you know, that happens in every job. That's why they call it work, right? Otherwise, it'd be a holiday. Uh, you know, so I think really that what it comes down to is, is how that the management uh, then basically disseminate that that messaging and that that value statement that you know HR or telling yeah, us an acquisition whatever they call them. Actually it's does. actually interesting. Like we we have a, a number of team members, obviously, and you know, 
many of us that work, you know, really hard and some put in longer hours and stuff like that, but it's not actually something that we encourage and it's not something that we um, assess our people on. Does that make sense, right? We yeah. expect people to rock up, give us their best day that they possibly can, and obviously there's always interruptions. There's always things that are going in life that people sometimes can't give you their best day, and that's okay too, right? But it's about showing up and giving your best. And we honestly, we, we Gordon, we don't expect huge, huge hours from our people, right? Mm. And, in fact, we've probably created so much flexibility that, you know, people have got a lot of options as to how they work and what they do. But, um, you know, what, what, what brings people back to who we are, to, to us and what people, you know, why people want to stay is because of, who we are, the way we look after them, and the way that we actually do what we say and that we uphold what we say we uphold, right? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I've got a staff members that have been with us, um, you know, it, so many of them in excess of 10, 12, 13, 14, you know, 14 years. Like, oh, it's crazy, right? Yeah. I've got people like, we just, you know, I was just talking with someone the other day, it's been 2005. Now, who stays 17 years in an organisation? Who stays 10? That, that's particularly now, uh, particularly now. Uh, I've been 25 at BGL, Gordon. Pardon right? me? 25. Wow, that's, wow. Uh, that's a long time. What's kept me there, right, is the fact that I've got a CEO who is a person of so driven by values, right, both, you know, internal and external with our clients and with who we are as an organisation who lives out those values on a daily basis but then also releases people to be the best version of themselves, right? And, and one of the biggest things that I see that really re liberates people is that sense of belief, right? Yeah. And a culture that believes in people is a liberated culture, is a, is a culture that can really position itself for the absolute very best because we don't micromanage. I can tell you now we don't micromanage. I don't micromanage any of my staff. They are there because they are the best people to do the job and I believe in them. Look, it's it's an interesting segue because the, the next question that I was going to ask was, you know, should we be hiring like-minded people uh, to inherently create a, a, a certain quality or caliber uh, of staff and also a culture and environment? Um, I, I think based on what you've just said, it probably is just answered that question and resoundingly. Well, look, at, at the end of the day, right, we don't need to – we don't need to – hire like-minded people that think like us, but we need to hire people that value what we value, right? I love the fact that I'm surrounded by people who are different, who see things differently. I love the fact that I'm challenged. I love the fact that people become so passionate about what they believe in or what they what they have their convictions about, that they, that they fight for what they believe in. But at the end of the day, no matter what where we, no matter what conversation we have, no matter where it goes, we all land on the same page, and that is to build a better organisation, to build a better people, right? And no, I don't think we need to, in a sense, you know, hire people of like-mindedness because it's very hard to get people to think like I think. But I think that you can find the people that will value and live out what you value because I think that that that's that's really important yeah i i agree that uh for the most um i think for the reasons i mentioned earlier uh is that you you find that there are there are two types of people there are those people that really will fight the crusade and you know and and give blood and sweat 
um, and we'll do the long hours without having to ask them. And then there are other people that will just go, you know, it's five o'clock, it's quitting time, and you know, I'm out of here. Otherwise, I'm going to miss my train. It's going to take me another, you know, 45 minutes to get home. Yeah. Uh, and I can, I can, I can sympathize with that actually. And that brings a balance. That's a yin and a yang, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are those people you turn to, and those people that you think, you know what, you know, I'll make allowances because they've got, you know, family or young kids or something like that, and you, you find that balance. But I think there it is. I mean, you, you, we as management will take the time, uh, which is inherent to our culture and inherent to the values that we want to bestow within the organization and then uh, and be exponents of that uh, where we're prepared to take the time and actually do that. I mean, I look, me personally, I take the Richard the Lionheart approach to doing things. What I mean by that is Richard the Lionheart used to dress up as a peasant and walk among the staff, uh, his, his, his citizens and, 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 and then listen to what they were saying about him. I guess it probably got a couple of people killed, but then at the same token, you know, he was able to change things as well and improve things. So his subjects were more uh, aligned, I guess, with what he was doing. And that's what I think that's also evident of good management as well, which is part of that culture to also support uh, that culture. And look, and the other thing that I think that, um, you know, in, in talking about this whole thing of culture, and like, there's so much you can unpack, right? Yeah. I think if, if you're going to run a team and you're going to run an organization, there has to be this awareness that there's people involved and there has to be a genuine love and care and concern for people, right? Yeah. I love strategy. I love business development. Yes, I'm super competitive. I, I love that, right? I love winning. I love all of that. But central to all that is people. And at the core of it is people, right? And you can have the best plans, the best strategy, the best products, the best of everything. But if you haven't got the right people and you don't have that genuine concern for people and care for people, then you're really not building anything that's going to be sustainable. Yeah, look, I, I completely subscribe to that. Uh, I think um, as a manager and having been an employee myself uh, over a couple of decades, I find that in Australia, we're definitely the lucky country. Um, but of course, there are also overseas influences in these corporate environments where, uh, and particularly being, Australia being a smaller geography compared to North America or Europe, it's super, super aggressive. It's it's concentrate. Uh, it's a little bit like Hunger Games, you know, at times, you know, among the staff, uh, which it doesn't need to be and it shouldn't be. But of course, the competitiveness that's uh, boiling over and filtering over from overseas influences here to Australia, it, you suddenly, it, I'll say it, it contaminates and taints the whole culture here, where it becomes a level of a dog-eat-dog world, uh, which of course it is overseas because it has to be, you know, because... Yeah. You know, it's just the way it is. But I think there can be a balance there. I think there can be a, a cushion, I guess, that management can provide for that to, to, to look, basically bolster the culture. Look, I, I think that, you know, healthy competition is good, right? As long as it's supporting and it's done within the values of the organisation, it's good. It's, it's when the toxicity surfaces, people will look back and say, well, okay, when the situation comes up, what are you going to do about it? How mm. are you going to behave with it, Right. And I, you know, I said, I've, we've been across many situations where we've seen behaviours not aligned to who we are. And we've had the tough conversations with the people and, you know, whether they've moved on or modified, right? It's so important what we do and the way that we call out that behaviour that's not aligned that people actually look at, right? And I'm all for healthy competition. I actually love it. But when it comes at a 
at, at the compromise of who you are and the values that you uphold, then it has to be addressed because then it becomes you're, you're breeding toxicity and toxic workplaces and toxic culture costs you on every front, not just financially, but on every front. Yeah, that, that is true. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly aware of people that uh, really enjoy the work that they do, uh, but they could do it pretty much anywhere else. It's whether or not they want to stay with the organization or the environment that you've created. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it really comes down to that. And that that's the differentiator. I mean, you could, you could get a business analyst or a, a tester or a, deep, a database administrator or architect to do any work, anywhere, really. It's all the same, yeah. uh, whether it's here or overseas. Uh, but I think it's, it's whether that environment, that work environment that you're creating for them uh, is really what's going to endure at, at the end of it all. Yeah. And look, what, one of the great advantages that we have as an organization is that we have a pretty flat structure, right? And, um, you know, we, we have a, an also very much an open door policy and um, Ron and I are, are very much amongst the people. And we don't care what, what level of the organization you're at. We believe that whole point of connectivity and meaningful discussions and meaningful contact with people is so super important because at the end of the day, we, we're, we're both human. We just have different roles. Yeah, uh, look, I, I remember uh, way back in the day, uh, I had a, a senior manager that said something to me that really stuck with me, and that is uh, every person puts their pants on one leg at a time. Um, and it, it's so true. I mean, even the Queen of England, right? I mean, let's be real. But uh, it, it's just, I think it's how you treat each other that really it, it is what it comes down to. I think if you treat people with mutual degree of respect, um, and how you would want to be treated yourself, uh, whether you be the janitor or whether you be the CEO. Uh, I think that that shines. I think people see it. Uh, you don't have to try and focus on it. It just comes out inherently in terms of who you are, which I think also goes to you know having people that think the same way. While they're not identically like-minded, but I think they have to, for the reasons that you mentioned, uh, you know, have the same values uh, and want to, to get along. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. And um, yeah, like I said, it's 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 just it, it's just interesting because see the, the standard that you allow becomes the becomes what defines you, right? When it comes to culture, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. And it's so so important that you know if if like, when it comes to culture, like you know, I see people say, so Gordon, I see people use it as a, a great buzzword, as I said before at the beginning, right? Mm. But culture requires. A, a sustained, intentional, deliberate effort on a daily basis. From the words you use to the way you behave, to the way that you act, to the way that you deal with people that are misaligned, to the way that you talk to people, to the way that you engage with people, to the way that you, that you, you know, just interact with your people and, and create that sense of inclusion with the people, right? It's, it's just so much more than a buzzword. And, and I suppose what bugs me a little bit is that, a lot of organizations say the right things, but do they live out what they say? Yeah, that, that is that is very true. Uh, as I said, I've worked in organizations where I've been there for a short period of time and thought, my yeah. God, I've got to get out of here quick. Uh, you know, otherwise I'm going to lose it. You know, it's a, it's a terrible experience. And it's very disheartening as well, because uh, there are some organizations which I've held to very, very high esteem and thinking, wow, you know, someday I'll be able to work for that organization. Then you suddenly get that job that you never thought you'd get that you probably have to wait for 10 years to actually get into the role and then you get there you think man this place is awful the people here are <laughs> terrible and you know no one really cares about you uh and it's, it's such a such a terrible thing but then 
to be fair and to be balanced on the flip side for the reasons I mentioned before, it's why it's called work. So, you know, if, if everything was grand and, you know, they, you know, everything had, you know, strawberry cheesecake added to it, well, you, you think, well, you know, is that, is that a real environment? Can, can people really create that? Uh, probably not. So I think you've got to look for the, you know, you've got to, you've got to be realistic and balanced as an employer, uh, you know, or employee more to the point, you know, what you can provide as an employer and what you, what you're prepared to accept as an employee, employee. Yeah, look, and at the day's end, I mean, organizations exist because there's a problem to solve, right? And the whole the, the, the whole area of you know whether we're in product or whether in services or whatever way but we exist because there's a problem to solve right if there was no problem to solve none of us would exist yeah that's the way we we'll see it right and um and at the same thing like even when it comes to culture and people and growing people that is something that you have to deal with on a daily basis 100 percent, right it's something that you know. It, it's 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 ongoing. It's, it requires sustained effort, and um, yeah, it's 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 just interesting how how important it's becoming, in in so far as also who you attract to your organisation now, and then who you don't attract to your organisation. And I think it's such a tragedy, as you said before, Gordon, when you get into an organisation and you believe it's all one way, and then you get in there and it's actually the opposite of what the way it's portrayed. Yeah. I just think that's so disheartening. Yeah, it's disillusioning. Uh, it, it's it's quite uh, it's quite devastating in actual fact because you, you set this this organize up organization to be the the golden chalice, and it turns out to be a poisonous one, you know. Instead, and uh, all you want to do is get out. But uh, yeah. well, look, I, I was just looking at the other question that you've got here in terms of concept of leadership plus people equals culture. Um, yeah. I think I think. Really, what we're talking about is exactly that. It's not just the leadership; it's not just the people that create the culture. It's a combination of both, uh, and you need to be able to stand. Yeah. I think I think people will the people that I've encountered. And I have worked some rich, for some really really good organizations, um, and uh, uh, and I think there's a culture within the culture. If you go to a different country. Uh, I've worked in China, and there's a, a different culture there. And uh, again, in India, and again in America, and again in Europe, different yeah. cultures, right? And there's a culture within a culture. Um, and I know when I was delivering a contract uh, or a consulting uh, opportunity or engagement in China, it was commonplace for people to come in on Saturday and Sunday. And in fact, work yeah. a full day on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. And I remember some of the guys, we, we flew over there, and we weren't we didn't go in on sunday and we were frowned upon we, we got hauled into the office and like what do you think you're doing i'm like what <laughs> what did i do you know so yeah. it, it's a culture within a culture you know so i think it's um Agreed. it's horses for courses really I, I, I suppose one of the things i'd probably like your your idea on is that i know that on my question now i've got people plus leadership equals culture right but how, how have you noted that leadership has changed or do you think leadership has not changed? I think leadership has has softened in, in over the last couple of decades that I've been in the game. Uh, I found that, uh, and I won't mention companies because uh, I don't want to get sued. Uh, <laughs> I have this aversion to that. But uh, I've, I've worked for some organizations where I've had things happen to me and, people, and things said to me uh, that have made other people in the room uncomfortable. Uh, and I've sat there and thought, uh, you know, like you're ticking it off in your head. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. That's a question you should never have asked me. 
uh, or you should never have reacted that way. And yes, this is my tan, and no, I can't come off. You know, it, it's that it's those sort of things, you know, that that you you deal with. But now, uh, I think if if that was to come up, uh, there would be fifty people running to HR, registering their concern and their complaint. Um, and there is still strength in numbers, and there are those people, including myself, at that time when it did happen to me, uh, I was horrified. But I thought. If I do say something, uh, what are the repercussions for me? Uh, what's going to happen to me? Uh, and yes, people will be sympathetic, but that's nice. But I've still lost my job, or you know, I can't work for that client anymore. Uh, so you, you sort of bite your tongue. And look, and there's always, you know, there's always negatives too, and um, you know, there, there's also lots of positives. And, and one of the things that, um, that that I've really started to see is that the definition of leadership has changed a mm. bit. Have you said for the, for the better or for the worse? Look, there was very much a, an idea of, you know, leadership being that, you know, that top-down, that heavy-handed, that, yeah, you know, sort of. And, and what I've, what I've realised that today and what I've seen is that today that does not work, right? No. In some industries that it does work in, right, and it's absolutely needed. But what the, the organisations that I've found best, and I just love this, and I can't remember who told me this, right, but I love this. Someone once said to me, your job as a leader is to set the stage, step off the stage, draw the curtain, and watch your best people perform in the spotlight. And if you can't live in the shadow of your people, then you're not leadership. I think that's very good. I think that's a good definition. And I absolutely love that because in all honesty, everything that, that I do and a lot of what I do, I just see myself drawing the curtain, right? Because I love seeing people do well. One of these things, Gordon, and maybe one day we'll get together, right? But one of the things I love doing is seeing people do well, mm. right? I don't care where you're from. I don't care your background. I don't care your status. I don't care. My job is to see you do well. My, see, my job is to see you step into everything that you could possibly step into that you yourself don't even see yourself stepping into yet, but I can see that. I had an amazing yeah. conversation today with one, one individual that, you know, an opportunity's come up before them. I can already see them step into it. It's flourishing it. They can't see it. But my job is to set the platform for them to be able to step into it with the right level of support that they can then progress with confidence. Yeah, look, I think there's a lot to be said about that, actually, Daniel. I think um, what our role is as leadership is to facilitate uh, and, and nurture as well, and perhaps at times correct, uh, but certainly yeah. facilitate and nurture. Uh, and I think if if we get caught up in in the in the miry clay of someone else making a really really good suggestion and you trying to take credit for it, uh, I think it won't take long before people realize who you are and what you're about, uh, and will end up leaving your organization, you know, and rightfully so. But the other thing I see too is like you know we we talk about all this fluffy stuff, right? But then as leaders, we also have a responsibility to be upfront, to be honest, to be candid, right? And yeah. to be able to have the conversations when they're needed, but you do it with a level of tact and compassion and understanding that that you, you try to develop understanding in the other individual and, and, and maybe help them to see a different perspective than maybe what they see. Because sometimes they some people can't even see it for themselves, right? Yeah. So it's a really important balance of between that servanthood, but then also that mental guide and the ability to 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 grow through good conversations. And if things aren't right, being able to be honest enough to say, hey, I've noticed this or I've seen this or 
you need to do this because this is not good for you or this is not going to take you where you need to go. And I think that balancing both is so important because it's not just all the fluffy stuff. Leadership comes with an incredible responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Forgive me. I'm sorry. There you go. Uh, it, it's absolutely true. I think um, I'm just looking at your other question here where it's talking about sustained effort and focus uh, in terms of that that culture and building that and sustaining that. Um, one, one, one issue that I had a couple of weeks ago is that I had a, a – a really clever person, um, knew their stuff, could deliver, did all those sorts of things, but just had a really bad attitude uh, and just couldn't really coexist within a team. He, you know, he always wanted to be the quarterback, you know, like any idea that came up from the team, you know, it was like, it was my idea and I did this. And I'm thinking I was in the meeting and I, I can tell you for a fact, it wasn't your idea, you know, sort of thing. Um, in fact, it was, it was my idea. No, but I, I didn't mind him taking credit for it, but it's just that, that it was the, it was that uh, that arrogant presumption, I think, and uh, unfortunately things didn't work out, um, and uh, there was a, a parting of ways. Uh, but I think it's really an inherent character flaw than it was uh, an inability of culture or ability to to sustain the value. It was just something that this individual just had to take credit for, no matter what, uh, and sort of promote himself as uh, being more than what they were. Okay. Um, did that person move on? Yes. Okay. They were motivated by me, I have to admit, because they just yeah, didn't yeah. the culture. But then I ask you the question, right? Was it a good thing that they moved on? I wasn't happy about it, uh, but I know that there was a toxicity that was building within the team that actually was actually suffocating people's ability to, to speak freely, uh, to actually make office suggestions that had value, uh, that brought value to the client. Uh, and uh, I actually... Uh, in truth, I, I, I heard rumors of this, but I didn't want to act on anything until I actually saw evidence of it. But once I did, you know, to, to, for, the, the, for the common good of the, the, the many, as opposed to the one, uh, a decision had to be made. But then, do you know what, um, Gordon, I say this to you, that if you didn't act and that didn't go, at what cost could that have come to your other team members, right? Because I can tell you now that if there was an action, there would have been a reaction that would have cost you probably more. Yeah, look, uh, you're absolutely right, Daniel. You're, you're absolutely right. It's just that um, I guess you build a proximity to your team, and particularly the, the really good performers. And this person was a good performer. Uh, it's yeah. just it was this character flaw that it just it was just so ugly. Uh, I you, you couldn't ignore it, and yeah. I, I couldn't let it prolong. Otherwise, it would have just had a a, a really toxic effect on the rent. And it was already happening, uh, you yeah. know, as soon as I, I became aware of it. And it actually goes to, to the subject that you were talking about in terms of building and sustaining a culture. Right. Do you make the hard decision and, 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 and part ways? Do you, do, is that what you have to do? And the truth is, yeah, you, you really do. You know, Sometimes you, you do. do. See, I, I saw this chart once, and I, I don't remember where I saw it, but I think it, was, it might have been at one of the, one of the business forums or it could have been in a book. I can't remember it, right? But it had this, it had this quadrant and it had values on one side, high, low, and then it had competency, low, high, right? Mm -hmm. So, and the, the most dangerous person in the organization is the person that had the highest level of competence and the lowest values. That is the most dangerous person mm -hmm. in the organization because you can't move them up from a skill set, but then you can't change their behavior 
and they are actually the most, from what from from what I recall, the most dangerous person within your organization because they're so misaligned. But they get away with things because they're competent. Now, should we make excuses or be accommodating of such individuals if it's costing us at a culture level? Yeah, look, it, it's it's very true. Oh, question. It, 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 it's a fair question, and uh, I, I think from my own experience, based on the example that I offered, um, and again, you know, I have no names to protect the innocent, uh, but what, what I basically did was, you know, there was that, that element of performance management, which is really ugly, you know, because particularly if the person doesn't believe they've got a problem, and then you're highlighting the fact that they do, uh, it's, it's this misalignment that starts up, and you can see where the problem starts up to begin with when that happens. Uh, you know, so it's not even a receptibility to, hey, listen, I've, I've identity, identified these behaviors, blah, blah, blah. You know, what do you think? It's like, yeah. I don't know. I don't have an issue at all. You know, this person's got an issue. It's like, oh, OK. <laughs> you know, well, so you know, you I, can, I can encourage you with some, something is that, you know, that little bit of short term pain will end up being a gain for you because. Oh, you did right. It's important that we stand by our principles and values. People take notice. And you know, it's interesting you said that, Dan, because the whole team reacted very, very positively when I and I didn't mention the person was like, "Oh, I just mentioned that they've moved on," and I, I left it at that. So I didn't want to yeah. sort of, you know, step in anybody's grave, so to speak. But uh, that's the way I, I did it. I tried to make it as as amicable as possible. Yeah. I have a question um, to throw out to both of you, just going off that example, Gordon, that you've just told us about. Uh -huh. Obviously, getting the right people in a cultural fit is super important for both of you. Relating to, I'm not sure either of your onboarding processes, but how often are you surprised when someone's gone through, you know, however many interviews, this, that, and you really think you've gotten a read on someone, how often are you surprised when they come in and they're not a cultural fit? That's a great question. Dan, did you want to go first or? Well, I'll ask you something, Izzy, right? Mm -hmm. People put on their best performance till they get in the door. Mm. And it's easy to put on your best performance. It's easy to say the right things. It's easy to say that. But you can never judge someone's – you can get a feeling for someone's values, but I don't believe you can actually actually see someone's values until you actually get to see them put themselves into action, right? Mm. And I think a lot of the times you go with your gut feel and, you know, a lot of the times you get it right. There are times you get it wrong. Do you know what? And, and that's just part of it. But the important thing is, is that if you do get it wrong, you act decisively. Mm. Yeah, that, 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 is, that is true. Uh, from my perspective, is, a, is um, the process that you spoke of was a, a, a change to the way that we hired. Um, we need to hire usually very, very quickly because the needs are immediate. Uh, or it is a case that if we, we, we highlight to the customer, look, we can, we can bring this person or people in over a period and drip feed them in. Mm. Or, sorry, we can't find anybody because what you're after is a unicorn, so it doesn't exist. Yeah. So what we do do is when we do find somebody to prevent that, that surprise, that, that disappointment from happening, is we've actually instated a change to our process where we actually have practice management with subject matter experts in their own right uh, who basically put them through the ringer. They, they yeah. ask questions that it would almost be exam-like questions, but it's verbal. 
so that tests whether they know their stuff, number one, but then they also have the softer skill sets for the reasons that Daniel mentioned is the values and who you are. Does it still happen? Absolutely. You know, yeah, you'll find someone will come in and answer all the right questions uh, and the right way. And you think, yeah, yeah, this, this guy's a keeper. When in actual fact, you know, the guy's an axe murderer. And but as soon as you find it out, well, you know, you got to deal with it. But yeah. I think more often than not, by having that change in process where you look at it from a technical standpoint, can they do the job? Tick. All right. Are they, are they a cultural fit? And it, it's interesting. I actually use that term on our website as a cultural fit because can they blend within the team? Can they work with that client? Uh, not just with our team, but with the client. Testing, with, testing for technical competence can be easy, although it, it may be even getting a little bit trickier because you may send some stuff out for them to do and with the, the available resources on the web, finding answers to things and through collaboration and networks, you know, they can get answers also. I'm not saying that that happens, but I'm sure that it does happen, right? But we can test for technical skills and we do that extensively. But behaviour, really, and what's even harder is behaviour working remotely is even harder to understand, is even harder to, to pick, right? That's why I don't like this whole thing of working from home. <laughs> I, I think that a reasonable balance is good, but you're only going to see a true version of somebody's self until they find themselves within a workplace, engaging with people through good situations, through bad situations, and that's where you see behaviour. Yeah, it is true. Uh, usually true colors come out when you pour a little bit of acid on them and then suddenly, you know, you think, hang on, uh, you know, this turn, this guy's turned into an axe-wheely nightmare. But at the same token, you find other people that really sort of go, hang on, okay, right, we're here, we need to get there, so what do we need to do? And they, yeah. they think about things really logically and coherently. Um, yeah. And look, it's horses for courses, right? Uh, sometimes you've got to get a really high performer that may not have ticked all of the boxes, uh, and sometimes you have the ability because you've got a, a contract that's on annuities where they're going to be there for the next 12 months. So you've got to make sure that you're going to spend more time focusing on that rather than someone who's going to be there for two months to do a job and then get out of Dodge. You know, so mm -hmm. it, it's again, it's horses for courses. But um, it, it, that, that's been our experience thus far. It seems to be working since that change in process. Uh, but uh, there's always going to be someone that's going to slip through. Yeah, it, it's, it's always going to be as I can't remember who said it earlier, but at the end of the day, we're dealing with humans. So there's always going to be that outlier. You can put everyone through rigorous tests, not just technically, but, yeah. you know, culturally as well. But there always is going to be that person that surprises you. So you're exactly right there. For sure. Um, we've pretty much, uh, I, I know we've gone through a, an overview of what you guys both wanted to cover. Um, but do either of you want to do a deeper dive into any of your questions or subtopics? Or do you yeah, basically I, I, feel like? I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with what we've covered. I think it's been a good range of you know, topics on both sides. But, um, yeah, I just think that the combination of the right people with the right leadership is what ultimately defines your culture. And it's so important that you invest in all three equally. Yeah, I, I concur. Uh, I concur. Uh, I think um, I, I think it is horses for horses. Uh, I think, uh, yeah. you know, you could continue to look for the unicorn, but really it's not there. Uh, I think you've just got to find an 80-20 uh, and then run with that and deal with those those challenges, I guess, with those nuances and peculiarities of people's personalities and yeah. traits, and then deal with it as it happens, if it happens, if it uh, happens. And, and contain it, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Good. Thank you both. Um, that was a really dynamic discussion. I'm glad we had uh, 
I'm glad, I'm glad we had the two of you on in the end. I feel like <laughs> if there was <laughs> anyone else here, they wouldn't have been able to keep up with you too. Um, so we will leave it there for today. Um, again, thank you both for joining me. Um, you've obviously both provided really interesting insights on culture and also towing the line between technical ability and attitude. Um, thank you to everyone listening uh, and I will catch you next time on the Evolution Exchange podcast. 